Coming up on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast, we catch up with the Columbus Cats footballer that's starring in the QWAFL, Katrina Shearer. Coach of the Melbourne University VFLW side and future North Melbourne AFLW coach, Scott Gowans. Plus, there's our State Leagues wrap with Matthew Gotts and Lauren Hodgson and all the latest from London with Mitch Scally. That's all coming up over the next 70 minutes. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. Available every week through such places as SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Just search for Women's Australian Rules Football. Our first guest for this week hails from Ohio in the United States. Originally a handball player in 2016, she and her sister Katie Ann stumbled across Australian Rules Football and they joined the Columbus Jillaroos, now known as the Columbus Cats. She had a great rookie year at the USAFL Nationals and thanks to her speed and a bit of blue streak through her hair, she earned the nickname Sonic. She was selected to represent her country, where she played with the USA Freedom at IC17 in Melbourne last year. Then a few months later, at the USAFL Nationals in San Diego, California, she won the Women's Division II Best and Fairest. Wanting to continue to improve her football, she reached out to her USA Freedom coach, Danny Seo, who recommended that she go to Queensland. And that's exactly what she did. And in the last few weeks, has been playing with the Bond University Bull Sharks in the QWAFL. And just the last two weeks alone, she's kicked a total of eight goals and set the competition alight. It's great to have on the line, Katrina Shearer. Sonic, how are you? Doing pretty well. Woke up early, got into the eighth bath. So that was a lot of fun. Good wake-up call. <laughs> <laughs> so just to explain to people who may not have heard of you before, we, we chatted to you a couple of years ago on our original podcast back in 2016. Of course, uh, you originally were a handball player, yourself and your sister, Katie Ann. How did you come across to playing Aussie Rules football? So it was pretty random, which happens a lot in the States. Um, a friend of mine actually had found a pull tab, um, like a flyer, and it had a picture of men and women playing this sport. And so she brought me the pull tab, and I YouTubed it. And it was a sport that I knew I had to play. It's nice and rough, and I also grew up playing soccer, so I thought it looked pretty similar to that. So I went out to one of the first practices, and it was just amazing. And the people around it are just great, too. Absolutely. that You took to the game like a duck to water. You blew everyone away, particularly your performances for what was then the Columbus Jillaroos, now known as the Columbus Cats. Um, how did you feel at that first Nationals 2016 being such a star that made everyone go, who's that? <laughs> well, it was, it was kind of shocking for me as well. Um, I guess we paired up with Baltimore, Washington at that point, so we had some really good players around us, and um, so it was, you know, the people really helped, and I guess I just kind of used my speed, and things kind of fell into place, and yeah, I remember you commentating, and at one point you said, get her down to Australia, get her to play some games, so here I am. Unfortunately, I'm responsible for that. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> agents fee, yeah. I'm taking a cut. Agents fee, no, no. You, you deserve absolutely 100% of everything. Um, to, to explain for those that uh, may have not seen a picture of uh, Katrina, of course, you're, you're five foot ten, tall, skinny players, so you move very quickly. As you said, you've got that handball background as well. Where have you found yourself more comfortable? Because every time we've seen you in the USAFL, you've been playing in the ruck or at least in the midfield on the ball. And the latest vision that we've seen for you playing for the Bondi University Bullsharks, the QWAFL, you've been actually playing in the forward line. 
Yeah, so um, I feel pretty comfortable playing in like the rough position back home because um, you really you know you get into the middle of everything and and then when I was playing down in Melbourne for the International Cup, uh, the U.S. team actually had me out on the wing, which I was able to use my speed out there. But you know, playing with Bond, they have me up in the forward line, and I really enjoy that position because you can just kind of watch the plays and you can read the ball and can read how everyone is moving. And I guess it helps me to like use my, um, the, my marking abilities. So that's been, that's been big up there in the forward line. So I'm, I'm kind of versatile. I can just kind of go wherever they need me to go. So I'm okay with that. Jumping back to 2016 for when we first saw you, we noted saying, well, she can mark the ball. She can kick the ball quite comfortably. Again, I'm guessing that's back from your soccer background. That allows, uh, you know, an American on the run to kick the ball a good 50, 40 or 50 metres. As we said, you had everything, the speed, the whole lot. The one thing you did struggle with, though, was the bounce. Now, it's been two years yeah. since then. Have you still got a hold of the bounce yet? You know what? Last year, I really concentrated on trying to work a bounce into the, all the games I played. I haven't had the chance to do it down here, but... Um, who knows? I've, I've been working on it. It's definitely a progress, but it's a long way to go. Going back to 2017, how does it compute in your head that here you are, you were training with your sister, expecting to represent the United States of America in handball, and then literally in the space of 12 to 18 months, you're representing the United States of America, but in football? Yeah, it was crazy. I just kind of went to that tryout not expecting a whole lot because it was only like one year after I started playing. And when they announced it at, you know, the 2016, I was going to get to go down and represent on the freedom team. Uh, it's kind of mind blowing because I think, I don't know, I guess I've always wanted to travel to Australia and then there was my opportunity. So it's kind of, it is mind blowing. It's kind of hard to explain, but you know, you have all these girls that wanted the same thing and, the ones that worked really hard are the ones that made the freedom and they, you know, we represented well. So it's been, it's been cool. Looking at that IC17 tournament for where the United States uh, finished fourth, prior to that point, you've been playing, obviously, your football in the US, you've been dominating in all the games that you've played. But the first game you came up against the eventual champions, Ireland, in which you lost that game. How hard is that to try and, after dominating for so long in the local competition, to, I guess, struggle in that first game and then having to try and pick yourself up from there to, you know, and try and beat those demons of, am I good enough? Can I mix it with the best? Right. Yeah. It definitely puts things in perspective. And if you do go through this time where you think that, yeah, I can be the best, I have been training hard and I feel the best, but then you go up against these other girls. And I've definitely experienced that down here in um, Queensland because all these girls, they're like a lot of them have grown up playing the game. Their kicks are all so good and they're all just as fast as me. So it definitely makes you work that much harder and appreciate that. You know, I do, I do feel like I have some natural talent coming from like the soccer background, the handball background, I have the hand eye coordination. So I definitely appreciate that a lot more and like helped me get just a little bit further, but definitely have things to work on. And I see that with all these other girls and especially 
I got to train with the U18's uh, Queensland team. And, like, these are going to be, like, the next superstars in the AFLW soon. So let's fast forward on that to 2018 and uh, being in Queensland. What led you to uh, come to Bond University for an eight-week period? Well, Danny Sal, um, he is the new women's national coach back home. And he actually played with uh, Craig Starchevich in Collingwood. So um, they're good buddies. And Danny has this mindset that he wants all of his freedom girls to train down here in Australia at some point before the next International Cup so we get the experience. And he reached out to Craig and Craig said for me to come on down and um, he would find teams for me to train with. So I got to train with the U18s and then Bond Uni and it's it's been amazing. It's um, definitely something I'm very proud to be a part of because this is like the inaugural Quaffle season for Bond. Um, and they are very determined to not be forgotten playing in this, uh, this season. You mentioned that name, Danny Sio, who we chatted to numerous months ago after he uh, got appointed as coach for the USA uh, Freedom. And he did talk about that, how he wanted to um, uh, obviously get uh, American women over to Australia to learn the game a bit more, but also to try and touch on his old um, AFL connections. As you said, he, he played with Craig Stasevich. H- how much do you think of that is, is a bonus to the American women that here is an ex VFL, AFL, men's footballer that has all these contacts here in Australia. Yeah, that's like the thing. It's like he has these contacts. So there's a lot of girls back home that are wanting to come down here. And I know a lot of them are going to be coming over in the next year or so to get the training. So it definitely helps to have him who knows who to reach out to. And um, I know... It's, it's been awesome, like, getting to know Craig, too, who's an AFLW coach. It's, it's not something that you would really think that you'd get the opportunity to do, and he's been great down here as well, making sure that I have enough, like, practice times and um, getting up to, like, Brisbane for trainings and stuff, so... We'll touch on Craig in just a moment's time, but you mentioned about the Queensland under-18s and having the chance to practice with them. I believe at the time you would have been practicing with them, they were just about ready to go into playing the Nationals, so they would have been at their very peak. How did you find that experience, and how do you think personally you went at that standard training with them? Well, the first time I got to practice with them was the day after I landed, so it was a huge wake-up call because... I, their skills are just so great. Um, I remember sitting on the sidelines after practice and I was talking to Craig and he's like, this is a group of girls who just have their kicks down and they really do. And you can see it because they performed really well at their um, nationals here. But yeah, I had a couple of weeks with them for training. I, I would go up there on Mondays and Wednesdays at times. So I got to jump in one of their games um, when they, I forget who they played, but got to jump in there and watch them go. And they're all speedy and good hands and really, really good kicks. As they've uh, been talking about this uh, great talent from Queensland and Victoria coming through the under 18s is something really to watch for the draft this year. 
Uh, you managed to get tied into Bond University, who people actually thought at the start of the year Bond were going to be easy beats, but they actually got a couple of wins and then they're on the end of a couple of beatings. So this season's been a bit up and down. For you, how's that experience been to uh, be starring, particularly in the last couple of games, when their form's really turned around, beating a 2016 Premier School and got a tweed, and then obviously beating Maroochydore uh, last weekend? Yeah, so, you know, like you said, they went into this quaffle season, and people weren't really expecting much for them, and and I guess, you know, they got their few wins there at the beginning of the season, and it's really turned things around and really got them in the mindset that, you know, they deserve to be in this, this Quaffle League. And for, you know, Dave Ashgar, the coach, he's just been great about making sure that we could get one game at a time. And I think that, you know, we, we had a pretty bad loss a couple of weeks ago and to, for us to like turn around in like the second half, um, he was really happy about that. And then we've just carried it on throughout like, the game two weeks ago against Cooley and then this previous game against Maruchador. So he, Dave just really wants us to have fun and make sure that, you know, we're playing for each other too. So the teamwork, the teamwork between all these girls is amazing. And you can see it on the field. You can see it from like rewatching the game, how, you know, the back line works real well together and like making sure that they get it out of the, of the contest and, all that yeah it's been great now watching back some of the vision we saw two of your goals last week and they've just posted on twitter um all five of your goals that were kicked <laughs> on the weekend the one thing that does stand out to us is your positional work and the reason why we say it really stands out to us is obviously for aussies we take for granted that we play 18 or 16 aside depending on the competition every single week over in the US, of course, you play something like nine aside regularly because you don't have that many numbers. It's only when you come to tournament level, centrals, eastern regionals, and the nationals that you actually uh, get to play sixteen or eighteen aside. So for you, how difficult has it been to come to Australia and in a short space of time try and get your head around that positioning work on the larger fields? Yeah, it's been quite difficult actually because, especially coming from being in like the ruck position too, where I just need to be where the ball is at. Um, it's more like I need to, I've been focusing a lot on being able to hang outside of like the contest so you can get those easy passes out. And that's something that we've been working on um, pretty often here in bond every week is to get that, 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 uh, that sweeper position where you're just kind of outside the contest waiting for the ball to like spill out or for someone to just get that right hand ball where you can turn and go. So it's, it's been something, and I work with some of the other coaches beforehand, before practices start. We'll get some bump bags out and work with a couple other girls where you just kind of explode out of that area. If the ball's on the ground, you just have that person running by. So. And it seems to be working well for you because, and it happens to a lot of Australians as well, particularly even if you watch AFLW level, some women seem to get, as we call, sucked into the contest. They see the ball, they're in the vicinity, instead of trying to break away to offer a lead, they end up getting dragged into it. So obviously that creates the congestion. So how hard is it to keep that discipline to know, I've got to stay away, I've got to stay away for the pack and wait for the feed for, for me to come? Yeah, it's definitely a mind game because, you really have to focus on that. I know that's something I have to focus. Like, oh, I could go in there and 
I think I could help out, but at the same time, I need to stay back and look for that relief handball. And it, it's very mental, and it's definitely something you, I do focus on in the game. I hear myself talking in my head, just like, oh, just hang back, just hang back, don't get in there. And yeah, if, um, last, the last game against Maruchador, I think it's, it really helps because I was just on the outside of that, of those packs at times, and, um, a lot of my teammates were able to get that hand pass over the group, and I, the one goal I was just able to turn turn around real quick and swing it in there. you got an unusual kicking style as well when you're on the set shot. You've got the one-handed grip, and it almost seems like the hand's under the ball, but it seems to work effectively for you, particularly on the tight angles. Yeah, um, I've definitely been working on my hand grip. I think when I get into the game mode, uh, the technique kind of slips a little bit, but you know, uh, Craig Sarsovich had tried to um, change the way I was holding the ball too. So I went from holding the ball up at the top to holding the ball near the bottom, and he wants me to hold it in front. So I definitely need to focus on focus on that a little bit more. Since most of those videos show me like kind of cupping the ball from back, the back of it. So it's it's been a, a a little bit of a struggle, but um, we kick so often and stuff at practice that uh, it should be coming more naturally here soon. So, and, and when did you first get to meet the Brisbane Lions AFLW coach and Craig Starsevich, and how frequent and, and what are the conversations been like with him? Uh, I met him that the first Monday I was able to get up there to play with practice with the U18. So it was two days after I landed because the winter series games uh he had been down in sydney when i had first flown in um but he he has some things for me to work on and he has the trainers here at bond making sure that i have some um some good training sessions and what what i can do and go to the gym and work on there as well but he says i have a lot of potential (laughs) so that's that's always nice to hear and from Craig and he's uh, he was actually there at the Cooley game when we had played here at Bond, and he seemed pretty proud of how how well I had played that game. So yeah, it's great. It's great when it comes from an AFLW coach like him. And what's it like when that does happen? You've kicked three goals in the first half against Cooling Gatta Tweed, and you probably didn't know, but behind you was Craig Starsovich standing there taking a photo of you and retweeting that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's amazing because, you know, from the States, you're just watching these AFLW games on, on the TV and, and the big names like Lucia and Sabrina, you know, you, you're, I'm playing against them. So when a coach is right there tweeting something, I, even though I've like been talking to him since I've been here, so that's been about a month and a half and I've gotten to know him pretty well. It's still amazing when he posts something on social media like that. It still it still blew my mind that he had done that. So it's really great that he's very supportive in that. You mentioned uh, Wusher and Sabs. Actually, while you've been out here, have you been in contact with any of the uh, Lions AFLW players, even if they're playing for opposing sides? So I had um, trained with the Lions team. Uh, I got to train with them one time. Uh, a couple, like about a month ago, before they were, were finished with their winter series, and 
they're all amazing, so nice, and definitely made sure that I didn't feel uncomfortable or anything. And my one roommate here at Bon Uni is uh, Ariana Clark. So she's been really great. She likes to, we go down to practices early so we can get some extra kicks in. And she's been helping me, you know, with my drop or working on other stuff. And she's been super encouraging up until, yeah, since I've been here. So it's been great. Now, jumping back for a bit, just to, to give an insight into everyone, uh, you're still studying at university. I believe you think you were doing a second degree at Ohio State University? Yeah, I actually graduated from Ohio State um, back in last year. Or, yeah, last year. Um, so I had done a psychology degree. So currently I'm just down here being housed in the athletes of Bond Uni. So... Um, Ariana Clark, and then we have a couple of netballers as well as a swimmer in this house. So a very sporty house indeed, and I believe as well you were spending some time before you came to Queensland uh, in LA with your sister uh, Katie Ann based out that way. So begs the question, when it comes to October and the Nationals in Racine, will you be wearing a Columbus Catch jumper or will you be wearing the LA Dragons jumper? So there's talks that we're hoping to combine with the LA team, but I'm not sure. At this point, I um, I have been able to train more with the LA Dragons in, since I've been um, traveling a lot, and I've been training with the U.S. Beach Handball team a bit more, too. So been kind of doing two things at once when I'm out there in LA with my sister, but we'll see. Um, Definitely when it gets closer to Nationals, they start pairing up the smaller clubs that, you know, Columbus and L.A. are. So we'll have to see how that goes. Maybe I'll get to play against my sister or else I could play alongside her one more time. And how long are you expected to still be out here in Australia for? So I am here until the end of the Quaffle season. So that's um, about August 27th. So if Bond University sneak into the finals, an opportunity to play finals football with them. Exactly. That is the, that's the plan. That's what's going to happen. <laughs> and just one last one before we let you go. What happens if you're about to jump on a plane back to the United States at the end of the Quaffle season? Craig Starsevich makes the phone call to you and says, would you be interested in being a rookie for the Lions and spending... October through to March in Australia. What would your thoughts be? I guess I would have to jump on another plane and head back down here to Australia. <laughs> Definitely want to be able to pass up an opportunity like that. Absolutely. And we're crossing fingers for you. And uh, hopefully Craig is very impressed that he gives you that opportunity to be a rookie if not this year, then at least hopefully next year in the AFLW. Yeah. Sonic, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best for the remainder of the Quaffle season. Good luck in racing at the Nationals and fingers crossed for the AFLW draft. Well, thank you, Peter, and thanks for all your support. Really appreciate it. Now, on the weekend, we covered the game between Melbourne University and the Southern Saints.
Unfortunately, from the radio perspective, we had a few technical issues during the pregame, and we didn't get on air until about 40 minutes into our pregame show. That means we missed airing the interview that we conducted with Scott Gowans at the ground. Luckily, it was all recorded, so you're about to hear back Matthew Cox and Lucy Watkin chatting with the coach of Melbourne University in the VFLW and North Melbourne in the AFLW, Scott Gowans. Enjoy. It is a pleasure to welcome to the commentary position in the beautiful sunshine here at Skybus Stadium, the coach of Melbourne University, Scott Gowan. Scott, pleasure to have you on the broadcast. How are you, Matt? Loose. Nice and warm for a change uh, down in this part of the world. Um, Last week's loss against Hawthorne, I thought there was some positive signs for your group uh, compared to the previous time I saw you up in Bendigo. There seemed to be a bit more flow and a bit more continuity. From a coaching perspective, has it been hard to gel your group of players because you've got so many that have come into the to the club this year but also coming in and out of the side it has it's uh, been really difficult so we've um i suppose we've had on average maybe eight or nine changes per week and uh and that makes it tough from just even getting to know you know who's left who's right-footed um who tends to play inside outside all that sort of stuff but i think the other thing is too we've been really careful not to um go overboard with game plan like I did at Diamond Creek, I suppose, because at the end of the day, we're transitioning into North Melbourne. So um, I don't want to sort of show all the cards at once. Um, so ball movement's been interesting. The thing we have done, we've tried a few different things. Um, some things have worked and some haven't. But really the last, I suppose, last month or so, we've probably narrowed it down to um, to getting a bit of free-flow footy out of the back line. And um, I think that's made a bit of a difference because it's allowed us to stabilise... I suppose the effective opposition's attacking us, um, but then also, more more importantly, transition back the other way. I know you were a, a great leader out of Diamond Creek last year in terms of developing players, putting them in foreign positions to to build up their capability. You're obviously doing a similar role with the eye to the AFLW program. What's your one-on-one time with various players that are on the North Melbourne list in? helping them to coach and, and develop into better players. Yeah, so we do what we do, we try and do it every Monday or Tuesday. Um, I'll sit down with um, the players that are at Melbourne Uni, but then there's also four that aren't, so um, uh, in Vic- Victorian-based players. So we'll also sit down with them. I'm lucky that uh, Jazzy Garner works at the club, so I can sit and go through her edits, which is which is nice. Um, but again, it's tough because they play a, Williamstown play a completely different game to what we do. So it's more those concepts that we're starting to introduce that you're sort of saying, well, look, if you were at North Melbourne, we'd do this, that type of thing. Um, and then the interstate girls, I just touch base by phone and uh, I don't have vision on a weekly basis like we do in Victoria. So that's a little bit different again. But I think it's just more um, not overloading them at this stage because... I'm really mindful that part of the transition needs to be that mental break from the game as well. Um, so I think you can give a little bit, but we haven't really gone too deep. So it's two or three minute chat on stuff rather than go through you know 13 edits every yeah. week. And sort of leading on from that, a lot of outs today, different side to last week. Do you see that as a challenge or an opportunity for those girls coming in to fill those big yeah. shoes? Opportunity more so than, than anything else. I think the thing is that um, for me... If, if if they've been learning throughout the year, um, you almost need to give girls an opportunity to showcase at the top level. So I'm kind of proud of the fact that every single one of our VFL listed players has at least played one game and most have played at least two. And 
I just think that's a, it's good for next year because it, whether they stay at Melbourne Uni or go into other clubs, they at least can tick that box saying they know what it's like. Um, there's some of the lists that where players just haven't haven't been able to um, to get opportunities yet at their particular clubs, and it's because they've got scoreboard pressure on them to, to make finals or to finish in the top two. Um, so I, I just think where we're at, it's more of an opportunity for these girls to come in and have a real good crack at it, not just play you know, 30% game time. They're going to play 60%, 70% game time. What's, what's the role been like for you? It's a completely different, I'm assuming, to any other football challenge, the fact that you've you're virtually got two hats on at yeah. the same time. Are you relishing that, or is it quite difficult? So, if I'm being honest to you, Matt, <laughs> it is tough. It's just a conversation between you and me. <laughs> I know, I understand that. Uh, look, no, it is difficult. But I think what it has taught me um, is perhaps to be less reactive to, say, you know, a dubious umpire call, which we all get, or a, a kick you know, that is completely opposite to what the, your ball movement plan is, for instance. Um, you just tend to take that with a little bit more composure now. So I think I'm thinking better. So I feel like I've improved on my coaching from last year. But it's a different mindset. Um, and it, it is, if I'm honest, it's tough. Because obviously, naturally, you want to win. That's that's what you want to do. Um, but even last week was a classic example. So we, we had on our rotation roster, um, we were in the game in that last quarter against Hawthorne. And yet, 50% game time was to three players, including Kate Gillespie-Jones. So we just had to do it. This week she's resting. Um, it's just where it's at. Whereas if that was last year and you're going for it, there's no way that she would come off the ground. Yes. So it does It does take patience. <laughs> A few more grey hairs. Yeah, grey hairs, losing what's going on top. <laughs> but, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm really enjoying Because at the end of the day, when you do the review and then, um, you know, like... Um, Kate Gillespie-Jones is a classic example. Like, she's flying. Like, she's fit. She's healthy. Um, so she's going to be in really good... To be November 1 or whenever AFLW pre-season starts, she's going to be fine. So I think that's really important. Is it hard to constantly have sort of an eye on next week, like, to November, while coaching this Melbourne Uni side? Yeah, it is. Um, it, it's very tough because you, you're always trying to focus on the bigger picture. But... Um, I've been very lucky at North where the resources that we've got to, to help with that are, are great. So Alex Veach has come on as the high-performance manager full-time, um, and now he's doing a lot of the VFL review from the games, which is a developing his coaching. Uh, so I'm very much, I suppose, taking that director kind of role at the minute with the VFL, um, and even today with the moves and things like that, Alex will do a lot of that today. And, and that's just where, the, where it's at. Um, and then I will do... We haven't got many, but I've got three AFLW players playing today, but I would do their, their game, so I'll worry about them, and Alex will sort of control what's going on for the rest of it. Um, and then I'll just talk at the breaks and things like that. But it's it's a step-by-step kind of process. Um, but it's, it's enjoyable, and I think, too, that the important thing is it's developing both the players and the coaching staff to hopefully all, all of them one day transition, transition into uh, AFLW. Had a player last year on the Diamond Creek list called Chloe Malloy. You've now got a player on the Melbourne University list called Madison Prasparkas. Yes. What are the similarities, differences? Because both are incredibly talented players that are, I suppose, they're being envisaged of having very successful careers. That's a good question, Matt. That's why you're in your job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, they they are different players. So Maddie Maddie is a... um, 
much more of a contested beast. Um, whereas Chloe, she likes to win the contested ball, but she doesn't go inside as much as Maddie does. And uh, skill-wise, they would be so similar. Like they, they really are. Um, yeah, if I had if I had to choose one or the other. <laughs> oh, oh. How, would you, how do you do that? Favorite child? Yeah, I know. Just, just yeah. Split them in half and merge them together. Yeah. Is it? The... I don't know which one. I, you know, I, if I'm being honest, I actually think Chloe Malloy just. I, I'll say that just because of her scoreboard, I think she can impact the scoreboard a little bit more than Maddie can, and that's probably Maddie's next step. She's actually going to play forward a little bit today. Um, so I. But, geez, you'd be happy with either one. Yeah. <laughs> and well, I'm happy with Madison because she's a local uh, girl to, to our region, the oh, yeah. Sunbury region, so I'll happily jump on her bandwagon if you're like on the Chloe one, Malloy yeah. bandwagon. Yeah, no yeah. <laughs> but looking ahead sort of immediately to today, probably very you'd probably see this is a very winnable game yep. against Southern Saints. Is a win important today, do you think, for the morale of the team? Yeah, it, it, it is, yeah, yeah. to be honest. Yeah, it's... Um, you can so you can go um, one or two ways. So you can either keep selling the message about development, and then it's yeah. The mindset is that when the when the whips are cracking, they go, "Oh, it's just about development." So you've taken the focus off winning, but that winning aspect is part of footy. Yeah. So pre-game, we spoke about it today. The opportunity, um, very winnable game, but they need to follow a process. So, but. Um, the, the, the pleasing thing with today is we haven't got any restrictions. So last quarter, if, if we're in the game, uh, we can go put the foot down and go for it, So which is a little bit different to last week. Last week was very frustrating. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that amplified today, that, that message that you can have a little bit more freedom than what you've had in recent yeah, weeks? It is. It's, it's more of a traditional game, I suppose, from a coaching perspective today. Um, so, for example, if Alison Drennan gets off the leash... We'll, we'll put a tag on. Um, we can do that sort of thing, whereas last week it was more about uh, not doing that. Um, so little little things like that that can help you. Um, yeah, are, are, there's a lot more flexibility today. Currently two wins for the season, seven losses. Come the end of the home and away season, what would be respectable in your regard? Or are you just completely putting parking that to the left-hand side? Yeah, the, the clubs. I've spoken to the club about it because it doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> But they've got no focus on the wins and losses at all. Uh, deep inside me, I'd like to get another couple of wins before the end of the year. And I think with um, our program, you'll see, not so much this week, but from this week on, um, the AFLW players will start to filter in. Uh, Mo Hope will be back for the last two. Um, Kate Gillespie-Jones obviously comes back. At Caitlin Ashmore, Jamie Stanton, Emma Humphreys. So the list goes on and on and on. Um, so that'll be really pleasing towards the end of the year and last game against Williamstown is when the only game of the year where we'll play 12 AFLW players um, and then we'll have three of the Williamstown girls obviously playing for North so there'll be 15 of them on the park so that's that's the goal um, but that'll be it so uh, yeah if I could, we, we snag another couple of wins and just sort of make it comfortable for me yeah and just that point you made then about Williamstown and Melbourne Uni yeah. is that a joint think that you've decided yeah. the two clubs? Not really. Um, the way that happened was when we interviewed the girls for North Melbourne, part of the questioning was around where they are mentally, emotionally and everything like that. And I felt I felt as though, with um, particularly with Jazzy Garner, she just wanted to play footy, not, not play back forward mid, just play footy. Yeah. Um, so it was really important that we allowed her to do that. 
and then she wanted to play with Jess Duffin and Jenna Bruton. So that, that was the way that sort of happened. Um, but I'm, I was really comfortable with it all. And even Emma King with Richmond, it was she asked the question and I said, it's absolutely fine wherever you wanted to play your VFL footy because we're in a development phase. If we were going for a premiership, then you probably wouldn't. Yeah, yeah. yeah. which is fair enough. Two quick ones before we let you go because you have got other significant duties <laughs> on hand. Um, the skipper, Ashley Riddell. She yeah. came with you from Diamond Creek. Yeah. How uh, good is she? <laughs> an absolute jet. She, yeah. she impressed us last year incredibly. She's taken on the leadership role with Melbourne University in this season. You've seen her for the longest period of time. What's the biggest change over that period? It's mm, a good question. I reckon mindset. So she still has doubts, but even halfway through last year, she, she would have quite often say in her, fee- her feedback, I'd give her feedback and say, you did this really well, I did this, need to improve on this. She'd go, I don't know if I belong here. You know, it was that sense of belonging. But now it's like, well, she's sense of belonging's you know, well and truly there. Um, I just think she needed to play games and, and build her confidence. And she's such a she's such a nice person off the field that she's one of those people that you just is very sort of affable. You just love her, and um, you know I looked at her stats last week and she played a ripping game with the inside fifties and clearances. And, and I went to her and tell you today she's going to play forward today. And she said, "Oh, why am I, why am I playing forward?" And I said, "Well, because we've got to develop you as a forward. If AFLW potentially you're going to have to play forward." So she's down there sulking at the moment. <laughs> so, so, so I've promised her that if, uh, if if the game gets close, she will obviously, because we haven't got any restrictions, we'll, we'll, we'll throw her in the midfield. But you know, that's that's just where we're at. And the thing with it is, I'll bet you she, um, I'll bet you she snags a few today. She's just oh, yeah. that type of person. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's she's probably my favourite story in that she missed out with with the draft and was about to give up footy. So she she came to me and said, "That's it. I'm not going to go through this again." and I kind of talked her around over probably two weeks um, and said that I was going to go to Melbourne Uni, will you come? And she said no initially, and then um, she said, no, I've decided I'll, I want this. So. Was that just the hurt from missing the yeah. draft? Yeah, more, more, more the embarrassment. She was really embarrassed. She just said, why did they invite me if I wasn't going to go? And it wasn't anyone's fault. It was just that there were two clubs that were, had committed to her without saying yes. They'd said, you know, if this goes this way, we will take you. So, in her mind, she was she was always going to be taken, um, and she should have been just she putting it out there. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And when she wasn't, it was more the embarrassment of walking out the room and being the only one not picked. Yeah, yeah. which is certainly hard and incredible yeah. to think yeah. what she's putting out on the park at correct. the moment. Yeah, a big I turnaround here as well. Yeah, yeah correct. Yes. Um, final final question. Yep. A little more tongue in cheek. The person standing next to me. Will we see her back in the VFL side well, this we year? Might. I don't know. I don't know. She's going all right. She did all right yesterday, didn't you, Lucy? Yeah, I did okay. Yeah. 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 She's, she's a good player. And you talk about improvement. Like Lucy's a classic example of, of someone that's come to the footy club and um, just improved her footy. And um, yeah, I haven't watched the vision yet, but the stats look good. <laughs> well, we played on a field that didn't have a 50 metre arc, so just keep that okay. in, in mind. So Fair enough, too. You won't even know my inside 50s because there were none. Okay, well, yeah. that's, that's different. That's, yeah, it's a bit of a different one, that one. But, yeah. Still putting the caveats out there, which yeah. I don't think you need after we saw the goal from 48 metres out last week yeah. in the. The yeah, game at Tinelli. Yeah, I saw that. It was a miraculous recovery <laughs> yeah, from me. Yeah. I thought I died. Not gonna lie. <laughs> now Lucy's Lucy's a developing.
in football that uh, should play VFL no problem at all next year. Yeah, well, we may try and just steal her into the commentary yeah. box because she's pretty handy she's at pretty that as well. She's pretty good too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Scott. <laughs> Thanks very much for joining us, Scott. No it's always a, a pleasure to get your honesty as well as insight into uh, the competition and obviously looking forward as well. So we really appreciate that. No worries, Matt. Thanks, Lise. Time to head overseas and find out what's happening in the AFL London Women's League where they played the last home and away round. And joining us on the line is the coach of the Wandsworth Demons and England Vixens in Mitch Scully. G'day, Mitch. How are you? I'm great. Thanks, Pete. Yeah, the heat wave continues and it's finals fever in London, so very excited. Yes, the footy's going to get hot, hot, hot. And talking about hot, let's uh, have a look at what happened over the weekend in the Women's Premier Division. Some hot footy action. We start with the West London Wildcats and the South East London Giants at Dukes Meadows, and it was the Wildcats 4-5-29 beating the Giants 2-5-17. Yeah, I'm told this was a very tight, hard-fought game of footy. Uh, obviously, the Wildcats coming out on top. Now, this match doesn't really have an impact on the ladder positions uh, for these two teams, but it's a good psychological blow for the Wildcats as they'll come up against the Giants this Sunday in, in the elimination final. I'm told for the Giants, Alex Umbers had an, another really big game in the ruck. Uh, Deanna Chesterton and Gemma Lowenthal in the midfield capitalised on her good work, but just wasn't quite good enough to get over the line against the Wildcats, who had a two-goal win there. And in the other game for the final round, the Wimbledon Hawks, 1-2-8, were defeated by the North London Lions, 8-12-60. Yeah, the final game of the season for the Hawks, and unfortunately for them, another loss. Uh, looks like the Lions had their most of their Nottingham players back this week, which um, would have had a big impact on their results. So um, they've obviously come away with a big win. For the Hawks, the last two seasons, they've been the first side eliminated from the premiership race in the premiership division um, following their premiership success in 2016. So it's kind of back to the drawing board for them. Um, and with a few, you know, with the off-season coming up, there could be some potential move in divisions. So that could be an option for them in 2019. Uh, for the Lions, a really big... Big win and a good way to sort of finish their season, head into the finals with a wet sail. Um, they've obviously got the Demons this weekend. They'll be ready to step it up a notch. I'm told Vicky Jones in the ruck, uh, Emily Warwick up forward, and Laura Mifsud down back with the Lions three best players over the weekend. Having a look at the Women's Conference Division and their final round, the Putney Magpies, 12-10-82. Big winners over the West London Wildcats, one behind. Yeah, Putney finished their season in style, or sorry, their home and away season in style. Uh, this game was to determine who finished third and took the final spot in the final series for the conference division. Um, so yeah, the Cats, they've finished with a bit of a whimper, but they've obviously got their premiership side still going along. Uh, good confidence booster for Putney. They've had a couple of losses, sort of close losses of late, uh, but to come out with a big win in the last round, that'll set them up for hopefully a big final series. And in the other game, the London Swans 2-1-13 were defeated by Wandsworth Demons Reserves, the Clapham Demons 3-8-26. Yeah, huge game at Hackney Marshes, this one. Obviously, the winner took a guaranteed spot into the grand final uh, in two weeks' time, so there was plenty to play for. Uh, watching that game, the first half it was really one-way traffic to the Demons. Claudia Flynn in the ruck, Jenna Steele in the midfield, and uh, Buckets Johnson up forward were really good. They sort of had all of the play... But probably some inaccurate kicking kept the Swans in the game there. Uh, the third quarter was a bit more of an arm wrestle. No one really gained ascendancy. However, come the last quarter, the Swans really started to come home well. 
Louisa Smith, who's I think playing her first season of footy, and uh, she's a British player. She played down back, looked like she'd played the game for years. So she's one to look out for in the finals, but also for the GB Swans and uh, England Vixens in the future. Um, she had great support from, I think it's Viv Winkler and Nikki Hamat in the midfield, uh, but a little bit too late for them when they sort of got into the game. So Demons finish uh, on top spot with a spot in the grand final. Swans, they'll have to go the long route and play their prelim final versus Putney on Saturday. Just again, having a look back at the premiership table, how do the finals there break down? Yeah, so we've got, uh, well, week one of the finals is, first of all, the qualifying finals. So that's Demons versus Lions uh, Chiswick or Duke Meadows, which is the Wildcats' home ground, and that'll be played on Saturday. We'll see the top two going to battle it out uh, in what should be a cracking game with a spot on the grand final on the line. Demons, we've won both our previous games this season, but the margins were three points in 15, so wouldn't say they're convincing wins. The Lions, they've got some really quality players all over the ground. So key players for us to shut down will be Steph Philbay and Rania Turner-Ramadan up forward uh, in their midfield. Laura Turner-Ramadan and Kylie Russo are their key ball winners. Uh, and if Danny Trott plays in the ruck, she'll win plenty of hit-outs. So if we can sort of get on top of those you know, we think that that'll go a long way to our result. Uh, from our perspective, I think we'll be looking to our leadership group to step up. It's a big final. Uh, Bianca Valencisi, Caitlin Jeffress and Honora Mulcahy in the middle, they'll be crucial. And uh, Hayley Canton and Linda Connolly up forward. If they can get onto a few goals, you know, that we think that if we can play to our potential and play our best footy, we can get a win. But anything less than playing your best against the Lions, and that's not going to be good enough. And, of course, uh, and the, the elimination final. Yeah, the elimination final. So that's Wildcats and Giants, as we mentioned before. They, they played each other on the weekends, uh, and this promises to be another close game. So two goals separated them on the weekend. Um, but we've seen the Giants, they're capable of an upset. Last season they finished fourth and then went all the way through to the grand final. So that'll be hard to stop. But on their day, the Wildcats, especially Zali Tubi's playing in the midfield, they're pretty, pretty much capable of taking up to anyone. Um, so, yeah, I think for the for the Giants, Alex Umber's in the ruck, Laura Quinn at halfback, they'll be the key players. Uh, but if I had to pick a winner, I'd probably go the Wildcats. They've sat comfortably in third all season. Um, they should be expecting to win. But, again, yeah, don't be surprised if the Giants come away victorious, uh, which leads us with the final game of the weekend, the conference prelim final which is Swans London Swans versus Putney Magpies, also at Duke Meadows. So I think this is the last game of the day. They're hoping to make this into, you know, the spectacle of the day. Obviously, a spot in the grand final on the line, and it's a knockout final as well. Uh, It's Swans who finished second. They finished quite a few games clear of the Magpies in third. Uh, They've been consistent all year. They're quick. They can cut you apart if the game opens up. Putney only managed a few wins, however, they've always been competitive and obviously on the weekend they won by 81 points, so they'll be confident. Um, they're really good in possession. They they hold on to the ball well. They're good at finding their targets through the midfield. At times, they they lack a bit of polish up forward. Um, so for Putney, if D. Kelly plays well in the ruck, give him a chance. I think the Swans with Sarah Arclay, Louisa Smith and Nikki Himat, I think they'll get the job done. 
Well, Mitch, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football Radio on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you next week as we review week one of the AFL London Women's League Finals. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Peter. Time for our State League's wrap to find out what's been happening in all the competitions around Australia. Now, unfortunately, Aaron Russell is a late scratching for this week. He'll hopefully be back next week. So I'll do a quick run through of the QWAFL scores from round 15, where Wilson Grange, 7-9-51, defeated Gullingatta Tweed, 3-9-27. Uh, the UQ Red Lions, 8-8-56, defeated Yoronga South Brisbane, 4-5-29. And Bond University, with Katrina Shearer kicking five goals, the Bulljacks, 10-7-67, defeated Maruchidor just the one behind Cooperoo having the bye for this round. Looking ahead to round 16 action, all games on Saturday, July 28th, all beginning at 4.45pm. First of all, at Bond University, the Bull Sharks play host to Yoronga South Brisbane. At Given Park, Cooperoo play host to Maruchidor. And at Griffith University Campus Oval 2, the UQ Red Lions play host to Cullingatta Tweed, Wilson Grange having the bye this week. Across the WAWFL League Division, round 14 played over the weekend. Pill Thunderbirds 14-8-92, defeated South Fremantle, one behind. East Fremantle 12-4-76, defeated Claremont 1-2-8. West Perth 5-5-35, went down to Swan Districts 9-2-56. And Perth Angels didn't get on the scoreboard, while Subiaco racked up 22-21-153. Looking ahead to round 15, all games on Sunday, 29th of July, all starting at 2 p.m., Betty Go Bank Stadium, Pill Thunderbirds host the Perth Angels. Claremont Oval, Claremont host Subiaco. At Fremantle Oval, South Fremantle host West Perth. And it's still Blue Oval, Swan Districts host East Fremantle. Across to the Tasmanian State League women's competition. Round 13 played on the weekend. Clarence 2-5-17 went down to Glenorchy 4-6-30. While Tigers 1-5-11 defeated Bernie and an Albiter 1-3-9. Launceston having the bye. Looking ahead to round 14 in that competition, both games on Sunday, July 29th at 12pm at Wife and Ho Showgrounds. Bernie play host to Clarence, while at Evandale, Launceston play host to the Tigers. That game starting at 1 o'clock. Glenorchy having the bye. Trying to find out what's happening in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division and joining us on the line, it's Lauren Hodgson. Lauren, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Peter. How are you? Not too bad at all. Uh, here in Victoria, the ladder's becoming a bit predictable, but it's not quite as predictable over in Sydney, particularly with one result on the weekend. But let's start first by having a look back at the UNSW uh, Bulldogs versus Newtown Breakaways game. And in the end, it was the Bulldogs 7-7-49, too good for the Newtown Breakaways, 3-3-21. Yeah, so look, probably similar scoreline to what um, what we were thinking. Maybe the breakaways got a little bit closer than I thought. Um, I mean, look, at you know, it was only 16 points in it at, at half time, um, but uh, yeah, the the Bulldogs sort of pulled away a little bit in the second half, and um, yeah, ended up winning by by 28 points. So they're going along nicely. Um, and, yeah, uh, Phillips for the, the Bulldogs kicked three. So a three out of seven is uh, not a bad day out. To the next game, the Battle of the West, and they couldn't separate them at the end. Auburn Penrith Giants 3-4-22, Western Wolves 3-4-22. Yeah, I mean, I think when we were doing tips last week, I think I predicted that for the, the Giants to win but wouldn't be surprised if uh, – if the Wolves got them in an upset, and it sort of went right in the middle with the draw. Um, look, I think the Giants would be disappointed that they didn't come away with the win, um, given that they, you know, scored 15 to, to nil 
in the first quarter. They um, at quarter time would have been thinking that you know they'll place nicely uh, for the for the rest of the game. But um, the the Giants only scored uh, a, a one goal um, after quarter time, and that was in the in the second. And they also only scored a point um, in the second as well. And they didn't score at all. Um, the Giants didn't score at all in the second half. So, uh, look, in some ways you could say they did well to, to hang on and, and come out with a draw. But, yeah, given their start, they'd be disappointed um, not to have come away with the win. And, and the Wolves would be disappointed as well, you know, to get so close but um, to not get there. But, yeah, definitely the, the tightest game of the round there. The Bombers flex their muscles. Sydney Uni, 13-9-87, defeating the UTS Shamrocks, 4 one Yeah, well, you know, only took to round there. I mean, look, obviously the Bombers have won a, a couple of games, but, um, yeah, they've done nothing really convincing all season. So it only took, you know, three months for them to, to get into the swing of things. Um, you know, I think mathematically there's still a chance to make finals and obviously this win um, helps them a lot and it will, will help with their percentage. Um, but, yeah, they were dominant from the start, opening with a five-goal to one uh, first quarter and, and then holding the Shamrocks goalless in the second whilst they uh, kicked another couple themselves. Um, yeah, so yeah, coming good at the right time. Not sure if they've left their run too late. Um, you know, if they have a few more big wins and, and don't drop any more games there, their chance, but um, I haven't had a chance to see who their who their opponents are in the next sort of four matches either. But um, look, returning Giants player um, Nicola Bar, she got three of their uh, three of their goals. So um, you know, when your better players play well, um, you know, it's it's no surprise that they have a ten goal win there, Peter. And in the final match of the round, Macquarie University five five thirty five defeating the Southern Power one six twelve. Yeah, so again, um, probably similar result to to what I expected. I thought. Macquarie Uni win by sort of three or four goals. Um, you know, they, they had 10 shots at goal, but, but kicked 5-5, five, five, so um, a little bit inaccurate there. And, and Power's sort of story of their year, they only had um, seven scoring shots, but only got one goal out of that. So, you know, they, they convert a few more and they, they're going to put, a, a, you know, a bit of pressure on Macquarie So they're, they're getting closer, but just, um, yeah, just can't convert those chances. But um, Ree Lotter for the Power with been the single goal kicker uh, for them. She actually uh, goes to equal top of the the goal kickers leaderboard for AFL Sydney with Macquarie Uni's uh, Simone Freeman. So, yeah, with only four rounds to go, it's uh, yeah, all, all level on the goal kickers table, Peter. Let's have a look ahead to round fourteen and uh, all games on Saturday, twenty eighth of July, and it begins nice and early, kicking the jaw off the grass at eight forty a.m. at Pick and Oval. The Western Wolves host the Newtown Breakaways. Yeah, look, uh, a couple of things. Home grounds, given they played so well against the Giants last week, um, and and still within a great shot of making finals. Uh, I'm tipping the Wolves for a, a win here. UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs host the Southern Power at Village Green, one twenty p.m. Uh, I think it would take a, a big effort for the Power to have a win here, um, but yeah, I don't think they'll they'll quite get there. So uh, Bulldogs for me. 1.45 p.m. at Mona Park. Upper Penrith Giants host the Sydney Uni Bombers. Yeah, look, this could be an interesting one. Um, obviously, the, the Giants have had a pretty good year. Um, but, you know, coming off the draw against Warson, I think before they break, uh, they they only beat Power by a goal after the siren. So they're, 
the last couple of games haven't been in the best form. Um, so, uh, you know, look, they're, they're at their home ground, so it's going to be – that's an advantage for them. But um, I'm going to tip the Bombers. I suppose you'd, get, I suppose you'd have to describe it as an upset, um, given the positions on the ladder. But, uh, yeah, tipping the Bombers to make it to, uh, yeah, another win. And finally, a twilight game, 5.30pm at University Oval. Macquarie University hosts the UTS Shamrocks. Uh, probably one of the easier ones to tip for the week. Um, although you never rule anything out, but uh, I think the uni will will win uh, fairly easily on uh, on uh, Saturday evening. Well, Lauren, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, and we look forward to catching up with you uh, next week to review round fourteen of the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Peter, and I look forward to our catch-up next week. To results on the AFL Canberra First Grade Women's Competition on Friday night, Eastlake 11-11-77 defeated Ainsley 1 straight 6. On Saturday, Balcona 9-17-71 defeated Gungalan 1 behind. And on the Sunday, Tuggeranong 1 straight 6 went down to Quimbian 17-19-121. A general buy for the competition this week, and then they're all back on the 4th of August. Across the South Australian Women's uh, Football League, otherwise known as Adelaide Footy League Women's Division 1, round 13 played over the weekend on Friday night, Adelaide Uni 4-1-25, defeated Christie's Beach 3-1-19, that was the video stream game, so you can check that out online. On the Sunday, Morphinville Park 6-3-39, tied with Salisbury 5-9-39, whilst Port Adelaide Magpies 1-3-9 went down to Fitzroy 18-13 121. Looking ahead to round 14 action, Saturday night, 7pm at Salisbury Oval. The Salisbury Magpies play host to Christie's Beach. At University Oval on Sunday, 2.15pm, Adelaide Uni host Fitzroy, while 3pm at Callet Reserve, Morville Park host Port Adelaide. Time to find out what's been happening in the Swiss Wellness VFL Women's Competition and joining us on the line, it's Matthew Cox. Coxie, how are you? Uh, thank you, Pete. Uh, pleasure to be with you once again, pleasure not to have wind in uh, my face after the weekend's game at Frankston, where we uh, were perched up on the the grandstand there and, and watched uh, an interesting game unfold between the Muggers and the Southern Saints. We'll review that very shortly because there's some other games prior to that that certainly have, well, caused a little bit of interest. Yes, let's have a look back at uh, round 11 of the competition. Uh, a few cases of where sides gave a shake for about a half before finally succumbing to the favourites of the match. Let's go first of all to um, Point Jellybrand. We saw the Western Bulldogs in Williamstown earlier in the year when the Bulldogs smashed the Seagulls. The Seagulls took it up to them for a bit, but in the end, the Bulldogs class all that too much. 10-9-69, defeating Williamstown 4-5-29. Yeah, it was a close open quarter. Scores were level 2-2 apiece at quarter time in this match. And then the Western Bulldogs put the throttle uh, foot to the floor and uh, really shook it away. Uh, it was uh, the standout on the ground uh, from a goal-scoring perspective, kicking three goals. Butler also kicked three. Blackburn, two. Hamilton, one. And Sarah Jolly, the other one for the Western Bulldogs, whilst uh, Williamstown... Cameron, Rowe, Whiting and Paterno were their goal kickers. A little bit of inaccuracy too from the Western Bulldogs, kicking nine behinds in total. So this could have really been a big percentage booster there. One of the sides in the hunt, we've been tracking them. I think it's now their sixth win in a row um, since uh, they last played the Seagulls uh, six rounds ago. So they've 
continuing the, the form that they need to heading towards September. They, they still sit outside, but they're now level with Darabin in terms of points. It's just percentage that separates them. So the inaccuracy costing them slightly on the weekend. Standout disposal getters in this game, um, as I said, Miffs didn't kick three goals. Uh, Sarah Jolly, though, the other, one of the other goal kickers, uh, racked up 23 touches on the weekend for the Bulldogs. Ferris also racked up 10, whilst Cameron was the leading uh, disposal getter on the ground with 20 for the Seagulls. Let's have a look at the aforementioned uh, Darabin Falcons. Uh, they had a bit of a fight on their hands against Essendon before running away with it. 5-11-41 to the Bombers, 2-2-14. Yeah, the Bombers had an impressive second turn by the looks of things on the scoreboard, kicking their two goals for the match. Ponta and Di Matteo were the goal kickers there. But apart from that, uh, fairly gloomy for them was they didn't score after half time, which is a little bit concerning, maybe reverting back to some of the issues that they've had with their forward line structure in the early part of the season. The Darabin Falcons... Got a good win on the board. Um, they needed to bounce back after a, a rough little period of time and uh, the, the win against the Bombers uh, was a good one. Again, they were also inaccurate on the weekend. Five goals to uh, five goals ten uh, they kicked. So uh, our very own Lisa Roper uh, may, may have some goal-kicking practice on the cards for training during the week for the Falcons. Their goal-kickers in this game, Lauren Pierce kicked two. Miffin kicked one, Stisgetti kicked one, and Mouncey the other goal in the game. Uh, inside 50s, 35 to 19, which uh, in favour of the Darabin Falcons, which indicates that uh, the Bombers were under all sorts of pressure again in defensive 50. Leading disposal getter on the ground in this game, Aliso Day racked up 28 touches. Only laid the one tackle, which uh, is a little odd for Elisa Day. Lily Myth and the other big disposal getter on the ground for the Falcons, racking up 23 touches. Big Collier was the best for the Bombers. She had 21 touches and six tackles on the weekend. Let's have a look at what happened at Punt Road over where the Tigers 4-5-29. Tried to give the NT Thunder a bit of a fight, 7-10-52. The Thunder, in the end, uh, with the AFLW talent just uh, running away with yet another victory and, from what we can see, booking themselves a final spot. Yeah, it's just about in concrete now for the Northern Territory. It doesn't look as though that fatigue factor that we thought might hamper them towards the end of the season is going to come into play. I think they've managed themselves really, really well. They're managing their talent too and, um, getting good victories. Richmond pushed for a half, though, in this game. They were leading at half-time, 3-3 to 2-4. And then the Thunder were able to break out of the blocks. Also a little inaccurate on the weekend. They uh, kicked 10 behinds in total, including six in the third quarter. Uh, they, they actually kicked three goals, six in that third term. It really put it beyond doubt for them. Richmond... Just hanging on at the moment. The last few weeks uh, haven't looked as though, or uh, well, they don't, well, at least on the scoreboard, don't seem to be playing the same brand of footy that they were playing early 
later in the year, which uh, to me indicates that perhaps fatigue is setting in for them, considering they've got such a young list. Wakefield kicked three goals for the Tigers on the weekend. Dempsey, the other one, whilst for the Northern Territory Thunder. Hickey and Swanson kicked two apiece. Stretter, Rajik and Nalda were the other goal kickers for them on the weekend. Leading disposal getters on the ground in this game, Benny Marinoff uh, in her second game, I think it is for the Territory Thunder, racked up 28 touches and laid seven tackles. Emma Swanson, the other leading goal uh, disposal getter on the week, 24. The leading possession getter on the ground and also, uh, by the looks of things, the leading tackle uh, count uh, was Phoebe Monaghan, 22 touches and 12 tackles on the weekend for the Tigers. At Queen's Park, Highton, the Geelong Cats, racking up their biggest score of the year, 10-8-68, defeating the Casey Demons, 4-3-27. They found form at the right time. The Cats had a good win last weekend and have continued that form into this one against Casey. And I think you can just about put a pencil line through the Casey Demons now uh, in terms of their finals aspirations. It's going to be a very tough road and a lot of things are going to have to go their way if they want to participate in finals action and unfortunately I don't think that can occur. Geelong, uh, very impressive. Broke away in the third quarter, put enough of a buffer on uh, and then ended up uh, finishing with eight behind. So again, inaccurate. Uh, All these winning sides the top sides of the competition may be having a bit of goal-kicking practice on uh, during the week because uh, they've been a little inaccurate up forward. Maddie Boyd wasn't inaccurate, though. She kicked two goals, as did Kate Harvey and Danielle Orr. Bogus, Travine, Clifford and Cranston were the other goal-kickers for the Cats, whilst Bent Velzen kicked two goals, Hoare and Smith, the other goal-kickers for the Ikati Dermans. Leading touches on the ground, went to Bogus with 25 touches. Cranston was there again with 21. The leading disposal getter on the ground for the Demons was well down the list. Sheriff wrapped up 15 touches but did lay nine tackles in a match. Let's have a look at what happened out at Rams Arena. Carlton 4-7-31, defeated by Collingwood 6-12-48. Yeah, this was a, a tight tussle, tighter than... I thought for uh, most of the match, uh, Carlton got the jump early. Also understand the wind played havoc out at Rams Arena, which usually does at Craigie Burn. So it was definitely favouring one end of the ground. Carlton, uh, as I said, got out of the blocks early. One goal, two, uh, one goal, two behinds in the opening term. Collingwood didn't get a score on the board. Collingwood were also inaccurate on the weekend. One goal, seven in the second term to get their noses in front. Carlton didn't score in the second term, and they didn't score in the fourth term either. It was Collingwood that really put them away in that final term, and again, should have been a bigger margin than what it was, finishing six goals, 12, the Magpies. Alexander kicked two for them on the weekend. Livingston also kicked two. Stratton and Ross, the other goal kickers, whilst for the Blues, Harvey and Hanks with goal kickers, Harvey kicking three of them. Leading disposal getters on the ground, Bucken racked up 18 touches and laid seven tackles on the weekend, while Harvey was clearly best of field for the Blues. In addition to her three goals, she racked up 17 touches on the weekend. And finally, in our match of the round, Melbourne Newly. 
finally got over the line in a close one. The Muggers 6-3-39, defeating the Southern Saints 5-6-36. Yeah, they only got there just, though. Um, the Southern Saints came roaring home. They do like playing uh, with the wind in the final term down at Skybus Stadium or Frankston Oval. They, they uh, really came home strongly with the wind, kicking three goals three in the final term. The Muggers were only able to put one major on uh, in the last quarter. Beyond that, though, Melbourne University were able to control the tempo of the game. It was a weird arm wrestle. The game predominantly played between the 50-metre arcs, um, and it was really only opportunities where players were able to uh, find a bit of space, work hard, and, and get a bit of flow and link-up going that opened the game up that uh, allowed scoring opportunities in this match. Uh, Rapari looked dangerous up forward for the Southern Saints. They seemed to be using the tactic of kicking it long inside and attacking 50 and allowing her to run onto it. Unfortunately, though, she didn't get on the scoreboard with Major on the weekend. The goal kickers for the Southern Saints, Bahant kicked two, Alsop, Owen and Lance, the other goal kickers, whilst for the Muggers, Price kicked two, Angelus, Milford, and Greaser, the other goal kickers, whilst Maddie Prismarcus, she also got a major on the weekend, but to me was clearly best of field. Her pressure, her decision-making, her hard ball gets was, uh, was incredibly impressive, and she led the disposal count in addition to that uh, with 33 touches on the weekend. Mentioned during the call that she reminds me of Chloe Malloy, um, in the way that she's approaching the game and the way that she's able to use the ball as well. Um, we all know what's happened with Chloe Malloy in the AFLW, so big things expected from Matt Madison Prasparkas. I'm a little bit late to the party because everyone already knows her talent. That was the first time on the weekend that I saw her in the flesh and uh, she's going to be a gun player at the elite level. Brennan, uh, for the Southern Saints, racked up their uh, leading touches on the weekend with 28. And as I said, they, they came home strongly in the final quarter, the Southern Saints. So it has been a, a productive season for them. They probably could have won it had they uh, been a little bit straighter in front of goal in the early part of the final term. But unfortunately for them, it wasn't to be. And I think that is now off the top of my head their third loss in a row. Hawthorne having the bye for that round. Let's have a look ahead to round 12 action. We begin Saturday morning, 11.30am, bounce down at Icon Park. We'll be on air Saturday, 11am at RSN Carnival for our match of the day, bringing you two matches this week. We start with Carlton and Richmond. A couple of traditional rivals uh, in footy circles for a very long time, heading to Icon Park. You'd suggest Carlton, who seem to have pulled uh, pulled it together um, in the recent couple of weeks with some of the additions of their AFLW talent. You would think that they would be too strong to a Richmond side who uh, just a little bit off the boil at the moment and I think uh, are, are just fading away as the season progresses. Trevor Barker, Beach Oval, Saturday 11.45am. The Southern Saints host Hawthorne. Hawthorne coming off the bye in this game. think they would be able to get the job done, but uh, the Southern Saints, if they can stick to their structures and play a little bit more attacking and, and take a few more risks, that's what snookered them in the game on the weekend. If they're prepared to take the game on a little bit more, 
Hawthorne, we know, are that real grinding team um, and, and coming off the bye. There may be a little bit of a question mark below Christy Williams, uh, but I think they should be able to get over the lines, the Southern saying. Hawks for me. Saturday, 12pm in Alice Springs, the NT Thunder host the Casey Demons. Yeah, I think the Northern Territory Thunder should be too strong in this game. Unfortunately, uh, Casey, they should be competitive, but uh, they're facing a Northern Territory side that's got a lot of talent and firing on all cylinders at the moment. This could uh, be around a 40-point victory the way of the Northern Territory Thunder on Saturday. And with a bunch of teams having the bye, this is the fourth and uh, last game of the round. Um, the only game on Sunday, again, will be covered on RSN Carnival Digital Radio from 10am. Bounce down at 10.40am. Avalon Airport over Werribee is the venue. Melbourne Uni versus Collingwood. Curious to see how Collingwood comes out in this game. They were pushed a little bit by Carlton on the weekend. Uh, obviously not looking as dominant as what they did heading into the bye. So wonder if that's just uh, shaking the cobwebs off after a week off or whether there's uh, just a little more of a pattern occurring there for Collingwood. For the Magus, you want them to be competitive. You want them in the game up until the final siren. They've done that the last two weeks that we've seen them and uh, called their games. Hopefully they can back it up for a third week in a row, but would be tipping Collingwood to remain undefeated uh, and win this match on Sunday morning at Avalon Airport Oval. Five teams having the bye this round. Ironically, the bottom two teams in Williamstown and Essendon and the three teams fighting it out for the fourth spot, the Western Bulldogs, the Darabin Falcons and Geelong Cats. It's weird to hear you say that Geelong Cats are fighting for the, the fourth spot considering they, they were one of the dominant sides to start the season, at least uh, in ladder positions. Their performances weren't too dominant. They were uh, just getting over the line, but... Sets up uh, a thrilling final few weeks of the home and away season, uh, considering Darabin and the Western Bulldogs, uh, only percentage separates them. They're certainly in the hunt. I think, if anything, favouring the Bulldogs a little bit more, I think they've got that little extra class and experience uh, on the field, whereas Darabin, I don't think their bottom uh, four or five players are as strong as the other sides in front of them on the ladder. So I think the Bulldogs are certainly a chance for finals action. Darabin are in contention, and you can never, ever rule that out. I've learnt that the hard way, and the Geelong Cats should uh, now, after a couple of good performances, be starting to find some form. So uh, be curious watching as we head towards the conclusion of the 2018 home and away season. Well, Coxie, thanks again for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. And we look forward to catching up with you on Saturday for the call of Carlton and Richmond. Always a pleasure, Pete, and looking forward to two great games and hopefully a better posse this, uh, this weekend with a couple of commentary boxes. And that wraps things up for yet another week. A friendly reminder, this program is available as a podcast on Thursday mornings via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts by searching for Women's Australian Rules Football. Or you can hear it as a radio program every Wednesday evening, 6 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time on RSN Carnival, Digital Radio in Melbourne, the RSN Racing and Sport app, and via rsn.net.au. Don't forget our two Swiss Wellness VFL women's matches we're doing this weekend. Saturday from 11 a.m., Carlton versus Richmond at Icon Park. Sunday from 10 a.m., 
It's Melbourne University versus Collingwood at Avalon Airport Oval in Werribee. Until then, I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company, and bye for now.